Welcome to the China Daily Biz Leader Podcast, Episode 1.1. We'll be talking with Craig Smith, President and Managing Director for Asia Pacific for what is now the world's biggest hotel brand, Marriott International. Smith's going to be sharing how operations differ between the East and West, as well as how social media is impacting the world's biggest hotel brand, as well as some leadership insights he has picked up as a foreigner working in the world's fastest developing markets. He's also going to be sharing how he balances his personal, family, and spiritual life, given his very, very wide geographical portfolios. We're your hosts. I'm Leslie Montgomery, and I'm Tim O'Shea. I'm Biz Leader. Asia Pacific is one of the fastest-growing markets for U.S. hospitality giants globally, and also one of the most competitive. In case you didn't already know, Marriott is the world's biggest hotel and hospitality brand, having completed a 13 billion U.S. dollar acquisition of Starwood in September this year. They have 30 brands, 5,700 hotels, with 1.1 million rooms, 166,000 of these in the Asia Pacific region. So that's about 10% of their portfolio. Marriott notes the considerable advantages of this Marriott Starwood marriage, and I quote: "This is not an acquisition based on reducing costs, but on increasing sales." According to Smith, we didn't buy a failing company, but our biggest competitor. He said at the announcement of the merger. Now, Marriott plans to achieve a quarter billion dollars in annual cost synergies, according to Marriott International President and CEO Arne Sorensen. But it's unknown how these savings will be achieved and whether there will be deep staff cuts. But there are economies of scales to be had. Being a large company gives you an advantage in negotiations, so you can bulk buy. So we're talking about things like chicken. Yeah, like it's more cost-effective to buy two thousand chickens than twenty-five. So definitely, there's some bulk discounts to be had if you're the world's biggest hotel brand. For sure. Okay,、uh, let's take a quick detour. To the company lore. Now, according to Marriott's foundational lore, the company was started by a Mormon missionary named John Willard Marriott and his wife Alice Sheets, and they opened a root beer stand in Washington D.C. in the 1920s.、Uh, for the next few years, they were focused mainly on F&B, food and beverage, and they opened their first hotel in Arlington, Virginia, in 1957. Now, since then, that small food and beverage concern is now the world's biggest hotel brand. That's not bad for 60 years or one generation. Now John Willard Marriott passed control onto his son J W, who then handed it over to Arne Sorensen, the current executive chairman. Today, Marriott serves 8.7 million burgers and 1.6 million sandwiches. It uses 116 million ounces of shampoo and 84 million rolls of toilet paper. That's a lot of trips to the bathroom. <laughs> We weren't readily able to check just how much root beer they sell nowadays. Also, Marriott does over 10 billion U.S. dollars a year in direct sales through Marriott.com. Now, a lot of people might not realize this, but this makes them one of the world's largest retailer sites. It was Smith that announced the Starwood takeover at the W Hotel. Okay, now let's get to it and see what Smith has to say about the differences in operating hotels in the East and West, as well as social media's impact on their operations. The level of quality in Asia is much higher than other parts of the world. Service standards are higher. But the, you know, the United States, you 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 don't have as many people working in a restaurant. In China, you have more people working in a restaurant.、Mm. The expectation is faster service,、mm. being better taken care of.、Uh, food quality is much higher in this part of the、mm. world. So you may find that a restaurant in this part of the world that is 
we see as okay is probably a great restaurant in some other parts of the world. It's just the, the clientele demand different, different things also on what their expectation is. United States, I'll give you an easy example. United States, uh, very important to travelers is the size of the TV. That's not, a, that's, that is, it's important. Americans watch a lot of TV. Not as important in China. And in, so in the United States, the room size is more important than the lobby size. In China, sometimes the lobby size is more important than the room size. And, and it's kind of turned around. And so it just depends on preferences that different people have. Now, one of the things that we've adjusted, though, is that the, the new generation, millennials, and these would be you know, Generation X and Generation Y, their, fo their focus is very different. And interestingly enough, their focus, is their, whether you're Chinese or you're American or you're European, millennials' focuses and, and are actually closer together mm -hmm. than someone my age, American, and someone my age, Chinese. Their, their likes are much more. And so what you'll find when we've adjusted our strategies is my generation will go to a hotel and do their work in the room. The new generation uh, wants to work in the lobby. They sit at a lobby and a table with people around them. They have ear, ear pods in their ears, mm -hmm. and they, they enjoy that. I don't like to, I, when I work, I work, and when I socialize, I socialize, and I don't mix them. And, and this generation, they want to do that. They want to sit in a restaurant and work. They want to sit and have coffee and work. They want to work, they work more as a team. And so we've had to redesign rooms. Bathrooms have become much more important. In the past, it was small bathroom, large room. Now, bathrooms are much larger. All travelers want that. Millennials want everything to be more uh, through internet or speed or on apps. And so they want, you know, they want everything at the fingertips. So everything happens on this for millennials. And hotels have to adjust to that. So what we, we're, rolling, you can order, we're rolling out programs. You can order room service. You can check in on your phone now. You can check out on your phone. You get your bill on your phone. Uh, you can um, go to your room and you can do requests on your phone. If you have a banquet event, you can type in, instead of having to go look for somebody to bring more coffee to the room, you type in, they give you an app, and you type in, we'd like more coffee, please. The room's too cold, please warm the room up. So all these things are happening here today. And a lot of that started with millennials, the younger generation, but older generations also following it. So that's one of the big trends that's happening now is, how do you cater to what we call the boomers, my generation, and the millennials, which are your generation, right? The, the younger generation's preferences are much different. We spoke last night to actually our senior team, and I still believe that social media is going to become much more important. I think, you know, when, when I started, I'll give you a little history lesson. So when I started, people picked hotels by advertising. You have good advertising, must be a good hotel, I'll stay there. And then later on it kind of went to people who said, well, some people are more creative and maybe they advertise, but the hotel is not that nice. So then people started believing awards. If this magazine printed, you know, gave uh, awards and said that's the, their good hotel company or good hotel, they did it. And everyone started flocking to those, those. And then people figured out, wow, it seems weird that the hotels that win are always the ones that advertise in those magazines. So this kind of migrated and people said, well, how do I decide what a good hotel is? And then this thing called social media happened. So platforms like WeChat, uh, could be Google, uh, TripAdvisor is the biggest one in the world where they could go there and say, here's my experience at that hotel. And so now that has become, and if you think about it, these social platforms are bringing together advertising, PR, and lots of different things that used to be different, different parts of marketing. They're bringing them all together into one. So people make their decisions. So 95% of people, before they take a trip, go to a social media website to, just, to read about the place they're going to. And this is the quote we use with our, our managers. We say, the new lobby of today is social media. And, and it's important to remember that because in the old days, we, our general managers, when I was a general manager, we would stand in the lobby in the evening and the morning and talk to guests. 
And that's how we found out, do you like the hotel? Do you not like the hotel? How's our food? What can we do better? We ask all those questions as hoteliers. Today, they don't do that. Today, they type it in their phone on a social media website. And so if you want to know what they think of your hotel, you go to the social media website. And if you want to answer that, you answer on the social media website. And we teach all our managers now to answer within 48 hours. The other thing is it's bringing about honesty. You can't treat a customer bad. Because if you treat one customer bad, in the old days, they had, we had a saying, if you treat one customer bad, they'll tell 15 people. Well, today, you treat one customer bad, they tell 20,000 people on the website. Everybody knows. You can't do that. And so what it's creating is, is equality. Now, what it's doing for us, though, it's also helping us because we, we data mine, so we're able to pull off of the internet from all the different sites what people think of our hotels. And then we can compare it to our competitors. So we can go back and say, we need to renovate this hotel. Somebody will say, well, we don't really. Well, yes, we do, because our clients say that that hotel, our competitor, the product is more fresh than our hotel. So there's a lot of very good insights that you can take from it. Okay, so that was pretty interesting remarks, how Smith has basically attributed a lot of the developments in terms of the IT and technology front to millennials. Uh, but it's also interesting to note that back in 1995, Marriott was the first hotel company worldwide to offer guests the option to book the reservations online. That's like, what, 20 years ago? 20 years ago. 20 years ago. That's, that's a long time ago. Let's focus in on Smith the Man. A fan of puns and avid biker, both of the dirt and street variety. Smith is also a scoutmaster in Hong Kong, and his self-described pastimes include scuba diving, motorcycling, and soccer. In 1988, Craig started housekeeping. By 97, he was a general manager and focused on the South American market for the next few years before overseeing more of the Asian portfolio. He was appointed vice president for Marriott International in March 2006, responsible for the oversight of properties of South Asia, Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, and Macau. He was promoted to senior vice president operations development for Asia Pacific in January of 2008, working with both operating hotels and Marriott's development team. In August 2009, Smith was appointed Global Operations Officer for International Lodging. And a few months later, in March 2010, Smith was promoted to Executive Vice President and Chief Operations Officer of the Asia-Pacific Division, where he was responsible for hotel operations in 140 hotels across 16 countries. That sounds, that's, a, that's a real J-curve. I mean, the, yeah. guys, the guys worked there for 20 years. Then he starts to move up, and he's like promoted three or four times within the matter of a few years. Yeah, uh, he's worked in all segments of the hotel industry. Um, that's usually how it is, I guess. Now, like we said before, Marriott represents some 30 labels, and uh, you're probably pretty well acquainted with them. Uh, he represents companies such as uh, Ritz-Carlton, Bugari, JW Marriott, Marriott, Renaissance, Marriott Executive Apartments, Courtyard, and Fairfield in Brands. So Smith's now going to share with us a little bit about his insights on operating in the Chinese markets. Um, when, we, when we talk about the, chi the, the hotel industry in China, we always think of it in two aspects. One is the Chinese business in China, and then the other is the value of the Chinese business going out of China. So there's two strategic reasons for us to have hotels in China. One is to take care of the international and the Chinese domestic travelers. Uh, there's quite a lot of business that's grown. Uh, the hotel business has grown very quickly, actually, in many cases, lately, it's growing faster than normal GDP. Mm -hmm. We have more people with um, to, uh, middle income. Uh, mid middle income has grown so fast in China. And it's actually, China today has the largest middle income of anywhere in the world. 
And so obviously they now have more disposable money. They want to travel and they want to travel within China. They want to travel outside of China. That's for leisure. And then for business, obviously there's quite a bit of business that happens. So we, we, we want to make sure that we have the hotel brands and hotels in the right place for the right people. Some people want a Rich Carlton. Some people want a Fairfield Inn. Some people want a Marriott Hotel. And it may depends on, some people may stay at one on a vacation and some, something different when they travel. And our, our goal is to offer many different brands. Almost like, say, Coke or Pepsi. They have different marks, you know, Diet Pepsi, or, you know, I don't know what the other brands are, um, but the, uh, Fanta, you have many different. So we do the same thing for different tastes. We have our, our lifestyle brands. And so that's the, the one part is, is covering the Chinese travelers and the international travelers inside of China. But today, Chinese travelers is the largest source market for the world. And so congratulations, there are more Chinese traveling outside their country than there are Americans traveling outside their country today. And so for us, there's a strategic value of having the Chinese travelers know our brands. So hopefully they'll know our brands from China, and when they go outside of China, we want to be there to make sure that we take care of them also. When we look as a company, when we look as a company at most countries, we're really looking at developing hotels for that country. And when we look at China, we look at, again, two things. Developing hotels for China, but also developing hotels outside of China for the Chinese travelers. So today, for example, um, this is to show you how important Chinese travelers are. When I started in Asia, maybe 12, 14 years ago, yeah, I was in Thailand. And the biggest source market for Phuket was Japanese at that time. Um, today, the biggest source market for Phuket, Thailand, is Chinese. So one third of all travelers to Thailand today are Chinese travelers. It's the largest amount. We see the same kind of growth going on in Japan. And so we need to make sure that our hotels in Japan, we don't just have people that speak Japanese and take care of Japanese customers, but we need to have people that work there that speak Chinese and that are able to um, take care of the, the desires. We need a Chinese breakfast. We need Chinese TV uh, stations. You know, all the things that people want make them feel welcome in the hotel. We start with what we call gateway cities. So gateway cities would be Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Guangzhou, Hong Kong. Um, and so that's usually when we go into a country, we focus on gateway cities in the beginning. Uh, then from gateway cities, we go to, let's call them the rest, the rest of the first tier cities, second tier cities. But today we're, we're actually building hotels in tertiary and, and, and fourth tier cities across China. We're building them everywhere. Because we see people going out of Shanghai on vacation, they may go to work, and we're continuing to expand. The greatest percentage of our hotels today still remains in the top one, second, and first and second tier cities. But there's a strategy to continue to grow. Now, may not you won't find a Rich Carlton in every city in a tertiary or, or a fourth tier city across China, but you'll find other brands. You may find a Marriott brand or a Courtyard or a Fairfield Inn in the future. But it's very important. And the same with, with uh, resort destinations. And so we started in the main parts of uh, Hainan, and now we've got hotels all over, all over Hainan, uh, offering different experiences for different people. So you could go to Hainan and stay here, come back a year later and stay somewhere else and have a different experience. Smith says millennials are more similar to other millennials from different cultures. The Chinese consumer preferences need to be considered worldwide and catered to. From our research, we know Smith likes to take great vacations to spend quality time with his five kids and his wife, Maria Luisa. So let's hear more from Smith about how he handles his team, personal, and family life. I believe in people. And I think that if you believe in, if you really believe in people, then you believe that people have the ability to do great things. 
And so your job as a leader, I mean, you know, you you start off doing things, but when you're in charge of other people, you can't you can't make all the change yourself. It's impossible. You can't. I can't. I couldn't clean on my first job. I couldn't clean 600 rooms a day. I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to be promoted. I was ambitious. But how did I make my hotel cleaner so that I would get the boss would say, "Wow, they have the best cleanliness in all the hotels in in California." And I learned the only way to do that was to take care of the people that work for me. And so making sure that they have the supplies, they're happy. Um, if they're not doing their job, I can say it, but say it in a nice way. And so it was, I, it was really learning leadership, probably the most important principle. You can learn the technical parts of the job anyway. But even today, if you think about it, today I have a, a chief financial officer who knows more about finance than I will ever know. So okay, he's smarter than I am in finance. I have a chief sales and marketing officer who knows more about marketing than I will ever know. That's scary. She knows more about marketing than I will ever know. My director of oper my chief operations officer, he knows more about food and beverage and rooms than I will ever know. And I can go on and on about the people. Everyone that reports to me knows more about their job than I will ever know. And you think, well, why am I the boss? My job isn't to know more than they do in their jobs. My job is to know a little bit of everything. But my job really is to, to make sure that they lift up and do a better job every day. So leadership, the study of leadership and how you motivate people and take care of people, set goals, inspire, that's probably the most important thing. And the mistake that we make is you may be a manager here and you get promoted and you think everything I learned here will help me be great here. It isn't. Every step of my career, I have to learn something new and I have to remind myself to learn something new. And after remind myself, I'm going to screw up. I'm going to make mistakes. So think, a year ago, a year and a month ago, I was a president in Latin America and the Caribbean, and I came here. So I'm from 100 hotels to 200 hotels. And you could say, well, he was a president before, same thing. But now I'm in charge of twice as many hotels. I, was, I, I woke up one day and said, I have to do my job differently. I have to motivate, inspire, lead my team differently. I sat down and figured out how to lead different, how to lead, use the same basis, but do things better. In a, less than a month, maybe a few weeks, we're gonna be, we're gonna go from 200 hotels to 500 hotels with the acquisition of Starwood. I have to do my job differently if I wanna be successful. And so I would say I'm a learner. I go back to school to learn. I learn from my mistakes. I learn from watching people. Um, every year I do a, you know what a 360 is? A 360 is when you do an evaluation on yourself. Every year, my father told me this when I started, every year I go to people that work for me and I say, tell me three things Craig does good and three things Craig can do better. So, and then my secretary puts the list together, so I don't know who said what, and then she gives it to me. And so every year I read the things that says good, I'm like, yeah, I'm really good. I read that, yeah, that's true, and I feel really good, right? <laughs> and then I, get, then I get to the second list, what Craig doesn't do. And you know what's funny, is I really close my eyes. I close one eye and read it because it hurts your feelings, right? Yeah. And even now, I'm 53 years old, it still hurts my feelings a little bit when I read he's not very good at this, he should do this better. Mm -hmm. But you know what happens is you become more self-aware. Why do you do this? And I said, well, listen, everybody's already talking about me anyway. I want to know what they're saying. And how can I improve if I really don't know what they think? You know, time is the one thing you don't have as an executive. It's finite. There's only so many hours. And you have to split time between your health, uh, family, your work, spirituality, all these things that are all, and they all compete for time. And so one of the things I've learned is, is, is how to balance it by scheduling better. I have five children, and that, you know, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of kids, right? And yeah. so 
And two of my daughters are here this week with their husbands. They flew in from different places. Their husbands are here. So we went scuba diving this weekend. And when, I, when I'm with them, I focus 100% of my attention on them. And I realized the two-day scuba diving is probably better time than the other five days that they're here because I'm more focused on them. I'll go home tonight, still think about work maybe. And so one secret I learned a long time ago is have great vacations with my children. Uh, same with my wife. You know, make sure that I take small, we take short vacations, but it's just the two of us. And there you have it from the horse's mouth. Now, Smith himself is one of the more social media savvy CEOs we've had the pleasure of presenting. And he actively posts on LinkedIn and his corporate WeChat groups. Do check him out online for a range of personal and professional musings, one of which we'd want to share with you before we close this episode. Here is Craig Smith's three personal laws. One, avoid the type of confidence that breeds arrogance and then mistakes. Two, remember that it is easier to be ethical 100% of the time than 98% of the time. And three, there is a huge difference between illegal and unethical, but both should be avoided. That sums up today's episode of Biz Leader. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.